eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Go 24-7 podcast. Today, we go behind enemy lines. We've got Robbie Falk over at our Mississippi State site. Robbie, appreciate you tuning in. Uh, Excited for the matchup this weekend, and I know, uh, much like LSU fans, Mississippi State fans are probably ready for some SEC play. Yeah, I appreciate you having me first and foremost. And yeah, I mean, it's, I think there's some excitement in the air. There's some mixed feelings based on last week uh, for Mississippi State fans. I'm sure kind of the same thing for LSU fans after the first week of the season. But getting a chance to kind of measure yourself now in the SEC is what's going to bring excitement, I think, for both teams. And it's almost a, an exact replica of what we saw last year coming in this ballgame. You know, LSU had lost that first game. They got a big win over – I forget if it was Southern or somebody the week, the second yeah. week. And then Mississippi State was 2-0, and but there were some things that concerned fans a little bit. So it's a very similar feel this year to what it was last year. And that game turned out to be a pretty good one in Baton Rouge. I'm hoping for another good one uh, this week. Yeah, and with kind of the early returns of the SEC West, it kind of feels like this game is where someone can claim some momentum – heading into SEC play. Uh, Robbie, let's kind of start so far with Mississippi State's season. Uh, you opened up against Southeastern Louisiana, just around a 45-minute drive from the folks down here in Baton Rouge. Um, Arizona week two, which I think, was that a game that was closer than maybe you anticipated it being? Or how? what's the maybe status of the fan base after that close win in overtime against the Wildcats? Well, the, I think the fact that it was a close game wasn't that big of a surprise. It was the way that the game unfolded. I thought that State would win by 10. I predicted State to win 31, 34-24, 31-21, something like that. Um, so the score was not really that big of a deal to me. But I think for myself and for a lot of fans, watching how the game unfolded, especially early, when State had opportunities to blow that game out – that was kind of concerning for, for State fans, the way that State kind of got conservative a little bit on the offensive side of the ball, didn't take advantage of turnovers. They forced four turnovers in the first four possessions, mm-hmm. and they scored two touchdowns off of those. Um, so kind of wasting those opportunities early to put the game away was kind of the issue because Arizona was kind of flailing a little bit. 
you're in a tough environment. You know, they're, they're coming from the West coast to the South, uh, a little bit different atmosphere than what they're used to. So, you know, it was an opportunity there for state to really blow that game out early and make Arizona quit. And what happened was they allowed them to stay in the ball game. And from there, after leading 14 to seven at halftime, it was a, it was a game. In the second half, I think State had extended it to 21 to seven, and that's as, as as big as that lead got. So from then on out, you allowed them to stay in the ball game, and you never really kind of stepped on their throats. That was kind of the issue for State fans leaving that ball game. It wasn't so much that it was a close game; it was because it was a close game after you had opportunity after opportunity hmm. to make it a um, you know blowout. And so that's hmm. that's kind of what where the pulse of the fan base is going into you know, the early middle part of this week. Yeah, and look, I mean, obviously a lot of changes made in the offseason. Um, Zach Arnett kind of taking over and putting his imprint. And that's one thing, Robbie, I'd love for you to speak to because kind of on the outside, we've heard a lot of, look, you know, it's not going to look the same. Arnett, while obviously respecting the, the the pieces that are still on this roster, wants to kind of put his own imprint just, you know, through the first two games, how do you kind of feel like that process is going? And is Arnett finding some weapons? Uh, you know, Kevin Barbe, the offensive coordinator, we can talk about that as well. But just all together, I mean, how has that transition been, in your opinion, to the first two games? I think it's been solid when considering you got a first time head coach, you got a first time defensive coordinator, and you got a brand new offensive coordinator who is basically three years into a job of being an offensive coordinator. So you got three guys that are really learning on the job, and it's you know that it's kind of the hand that Mississippi State was dealt when they hired Zach Arnett, um, because at the time you know I felt like that was really the only thing that made sense was to hmm. just promote Zach Arnett. You were a week away from signing day. It was I mean, I, I, the timing of it is the last thing that you think about because of the situation with Mike Leach. And yeah. that was your your first priority was being there for his family. And um, obviously your thoughts were with them. And at the same time, you're thinking about what's the direction of this program. And when Mike Leach passed away, you know, you're preparing for uh, that funeral and everything, but state's preparing for a bowl game. They got to get a signing class put together in one week. Um, they got to make sure they hold that class together. And they were some big time recruits. I mean, you guys know about Isaac Smith from, from Mittawamba. That was a big battle that Mississippi State had to win basically in a week's time. They, they had good relationships mm. with Isaac Smith, but when you consider the fact that these recruits don't have a clue, you know, what's coming with Mississippi State staff, it's, it's, a, it's a concerning situation to be in. So I think that that made sense to promote Zach Arnett, but he's still learning. I mean, he's 3-0 and at this point as a head coach, which is great, but – there's things that he would tell you right now he's not doing well and his staff isn't doing well. You know, he even admitted on Monday that after they forced a turnover on a 19-play drive from Arizona, maybe he shouldn't have been as conservative as he was. But he was trying to think about, you know, is his players going to be able to get back out on the field in another defensive possession if State goes three and out after taking shots down the field. But – um, you know, he talked about maybe he shouldn't have been as conservative as he was. Maybe he should have been a little more aggressive. He's still learning on the fly, and I think all three of these coaches are. There's going to be mm-hmm. a transition period for these guys where they've got to kind of get their bearings uh, here at Mississippi State. And even though, um, you know, the defensive coordinator is a guy that's been on the staff for four years, he's calling defense for the first time. 
So, I mean, that, that's, that's been an adjustment for Matt Brock. So it's kind of feeling out, you know, how involved should, should he be in the defense and the offense? Should he be more involved than what he is right now? Should, should he let those guys be? That's kind of what, what Zach Arnett is kind of feeling out right now, I think. And it's going to be a work in progress. But like I said, to be 3-0 and at this point, you wouldn't trade that out. I mean, if you would rather learn on a fly – while winning than, than having to lose and learn because this is a tough conference. And if Zach Arnett doesn't win at the end of the day, that's all that matters in the SEC. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Um, you know, you talk about the conservative uh, approach that maybe they're offensively look, you know, I think when LSU fans, SEC fans have looked at Mississippi state in the past, they've seen Will Rogers and look, just personally for me, I respect Will Rogers. Like I think this is a guy that, uh, one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC. One of the situations that maybe have helped with this transition is having one being one of the few teams that has a veteran quarterback coming back to kind of lead the offense. Uh, it's a new look. Uh, they're Kevin Barbe, but wanted to get your thoughts because I think this is a matchup I'm excited to watch. LSU's young, inexperienced, and so far not very impressive secondary against a quarterback that could exploit that. Now, Robbie, it hasn't been a situation where he's going there and airing it out. So could we see the game plan maybe tend more towards that strength of knowing that LSU's got maybe maybe a little susceptible in the back end of the defense? Yeah, you know, if they're smart, they will. They're going to have to be a little more balanced than what they were last week. They ran the ball 39 times and passed at 17. And you got a quarterback in Will Rogers that he's not going to run the zone read. He's He's not built around the run. And this offense is going to be a little more um, – heavy on the run but I don't think that that's going to be something that makes sense in the SEC to run it 39 times and pass it 17 I just don't think that that's going to happen and Kevin Barbe uh, to his credit came out on Monday night and said I was too conservative uh, maybe I should have opened up the passing game a little bit but we were having a lot of success running the football early in the game and I felt like it was working well, in the second half, it wasn't working because the defense had stacked the box and it made it a lot more difficult to run the football. And State just completely lost, you know, any kind of momentum they had on the offensive side of the ball. And it's the exact opposite of what we saw with the air raid when Mike Leach and, and that offense would lean a lot on the, on the pass and defenses would adjust to it. And we saw some of the same situations with that offense. They would go drives without scoring, struggling to get first down, struggling to move the football. So I think they're going to have to be a little more balanced this week. And there's obviously a ceiling on, on Will Rogers as far as his ability to throw the football. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's not a guy that's going to chunk it 60 yards down the field. Um, but the, the letting him only throw it 17 times like they did last week, and a lot of it was screens and things like that. I mean, I, I think that you're taking the ball out of a player's hands that has been effective for you as a passer for – three to four years now to this point. So they really kind of took the game out of his hands last week, and I think that that hindered them. I, I don't. There's some things that you can do with Will Rogers that can make you an effective offense, and you can run the football as well. So with the receivers that they have, the talent that they have at, at wide receiver, I think it would be foolish not to utilize those guys this week in some form or fashion a lot more than just screens and throwing the football 17 times in the game. Yeah, I've joked with you know LSU fans and doing a little more deep dive in Mississippi State's roster. I don't know if any of the receivers are going to match up to what the Tigers had to face in week one against Florida State. I don't know if anyone in the country is going to be able to match up to what those guys have. But it was an issue. And 
you know, when you combine that with the ability to run the football, and look, Grambling State tested LSU in this too. I mean, Jaquavius Marks is a impact player for this offense. I don't think you can deny that. So kind of speaking to that balance, I mean, is Marks a guy that can also be really utilized in the passing game as well, That kind of that dynamic weapon that could keep an LSU front seven, you know, led by our Harold Perkins, Mason Smith, Makai Wingo, kind of keep them on their toes? Yeah, I think so. He had a – I thought he had a solid game last year against LSU. He had the longest run I think they had had in the Mike Leach era in that um, that first drive. I think it was like a 30-something yard run, and that was kind of a – you know, kind of took all of us uh, by surprise in the press box when we see that. But he has gotten stronger. He's a guy that's not going to go down on first contact as much anymore. Um, he's really developed in his game, and this year he's he's coming out of his shell a little bit. Now, I mean, we're talking about a guy that is one reception away from breaking MSU's record in receptions. Hmm. Um, he's going to be the first player to ever have 200 receptions at Mississippi State, and he's about he's entering the top 15 in SEC history. So, you know, he's been a part of this game plan. It just hasn't been quite like this. He's now more of a traditional running back. And he's had back-to-back 100-yard games, which he has not done at Mississippi State. He's a guy that can move the chains in short yardage. He's started to kind of have a little extra burst to him. So I think he can definitely be effective. I just don't know if it's a guy that you won't carry in the football 20 to 25 times. Um, State has other options, too, at running back. But I think against a defense like uh, LSU, and you've mentioned the struggles in the secondary, but – if you're going to be one-dimensional against LSU, they're going to be able to adjust to that, and it's going to be a difficult day for you. And I think we saw that last year. I mean, I thought State was pretty balanced in the first half against LSU, and then they started leaning one way, and LSU really started to adjust to that, and the Bulldogs couldn't get anything going from then on out. So I think the key is to kind of keep LSU on their toes defensively. I don't think airing it out 50 times is going to work in this game. And I don't think running the football uh, 40 times is going to work. I think they're going to have to have a nice balance and they're going to have to have um, some good pre-snap motion, which is what this offense likes to do, to get LSU's eyes elsewhere and, you know, try to keep them off balance. I think that's the best way to attack this defense. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. 
Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash rs10 today. Uh, you mentioned, as we kind of transition to the defense here, obviously Zach Arnett, you know, uh, being able to have his kind of own guy underneath him assume that defensive coordinator role. You know Arnett still has a big hand in this defense. But you mentioned kind of the turnovers, and that's something they were able to take advantage of against Arizona. Is there any worry that they're too dependent on that to win a football game? Uh, and where does this defense need to step up this week against an attack of Jaden Daniels, who's a guy that, you know, obviously we know his success as a runner, but they're still trying to develop him as a passer and maybe get more down the field. Is, is that a concern, maybe being too turnover prone, or I should say uh, too dependent on the turnovers? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's ever bad to have, uh, you know, a defense that can force turnovers. But, yeah, I mean, I, th- I don't think that should be your – your goal is, you know, well, whatever happens on this drive, we can still get a turnover. I, I mean, I think it would be better for your defense to be a little more sound. I didn't think they were very sound this past weekend. I didn't think they contained Jaden Delora very well. Um, they did they did flush him out of the pocket a few times, didn't finish those plays, and he made some big plays. And I think that Delora is more dependent on the pass than Jaden Daniels. Jaden mm-hmm. Daniels is a guy that he won't mind tucking it up and running if he sees some grass ahead of him. Delara was a guy that he he would get flush out of the pocket and look for a receiver and try to chunk it down the field. I don't think Jaden Daniels is going to be as reliant on his arm. I think that he will be a player that if he sees an opportunity, he's going to take off and run. He did that last year against Mississippi State when they had had some success against him. So, it, you know, I asked uh, Zach Hornett about that yesterday, about defending – Jaden Daniels and kind of the similarities that he has with Jaden Delora and also the differences and how difficult it is. And he said it's very difficult to defend a guy like that. And it's not fun at all for his defense to try to figure out how to stop that because you have to kind of uh, figure out how to make sure that Jaden is not comfortable in the pocket, but you also don't want to push him out of the pocket and he, you know, exploits your defense with his legs. I thought State forced him to throw the football in the middle part of that game last year. They, they forced him to stay in the pocket and throw the football and try to beat him with, the, with his arm, and I thought they had a lot of success with that. So maybe that is what you want to do here. But you, like I said, you don't want to give him 10 seconds back there to allow his receivers to get open. So, I mean, there's got to be a happy medium there where you have some kind of containment inside the pocket, but you make him uncomfortable. So I, you know, I don't, I don't really know the the best way to to handle that. But Mississippi State's got to keep him in the pocket, I think, and also, you know, have some pressure to the point where he's going to rush some throws or throw the ball away. I think you got to force him to be a passer in this game. Yeah, and look, that's something that you know Florida State did a really good job of in Week One, and you know, uh, forcing, loading that box and saying, look, if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us with your arm, not with your legs. Uh, Grambling did that early on in the game, and obviously it felt like kind of talent won out. Uh, we kind of wrap it up here, uh, Robbie. Once again, appreciate your time. What's a player maybe offensively and defensively we haven't mentioned that LSU fans should know heading into this game on Mississippi State's roster that could make an impact? Well, you know, last week we were expecting um, Xavion Thomas to, to really break through. He missed the first game of the season – he had uh, in camp had been stepped on on his ankle and had a cut, and that cut got stitched up. Came back to practice the next week, got stepped on again, and it busted mm-hmm. his stitches open. So he missed the first game. Came back last week, and I, I thought there was going to be, you know, an exciting day for Xavion Thomas, but he didn't touch the football other than a punt return. And that's a guy that you know I'm sure 
uh, a lot of LSU fans know, being from the state of Louisiana, um, you know, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder having not had a committable offer to play for LSU. And, you know, kids in Louisiana, that's just a different state. Those kids grew up wanting to play for the Tigers. Um, so, uh, you know, when you don't go play there, we've seen it before with, with Dak Prescott and Josh Robinson, it kind of – it can elevate your game a little bit when you mm-hmm. get a chance to play uh, play against LSU. So, I'm interested to see how he reacts to that. I'm interested to see if they put the ball in his hands a little bit. That could be a guy to watch this week. Uh, last year, I think, was his first game uh, against LSU to start returning punts and had a couple of punts he nearly took back. So, he's a dangerous guy that can make plays in the return game and also at receiver. He's a guy to watch. And, of course, um, people know about Tulu Griffin. That's another guy in the slot to keep an eye out for. So, I mean, I'm, that would probably be a couple of guys that I would say on the offensive side. And then defensively, uh, you know, it's the linebackers that Mississippi State has, uh, the experience that they've gotten over the years with Nate Watson and um, uh, Jet Johnson. Those two are, are definitely guys that you want to keep an eye on the two leading tacklers in the SEC last year. And Jet Johnson's a co-defensive player in the SEC this past week. Two interceptions, a couple of tackles for loss, a sack, had 11 tackles. Buki Watson had nine tackles last week. So they're going to be in on a lot of plays. That's that's going to be, you know, two of the guys that I'm sure the LSU offensive line and their running backs and Jaden Daniels also are going to be keeping an eye on this week. Yeah, and it kind of sounds like those two guys on the defensive side are, are key in keeping, you know, Daniels in check. And obviously LSU kind of found some success with Logan Diggs, Notre Dame transfer uh, running back as well. Uh, Rob, before we get you out of here, any any uh, we might be too early in the week, but any preview predictions on this game? How do you how are you leaning kind of heading into Saturday? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm leaning towards LSU right now, but I think it'll be a good game. I think with it being in Startville. Um, and the game that State had last week, I, I just – I got to feel like that's that was a wake-up call for them from a uh, coach's standpoint and a player's standpoint. So, you know, I think State is going to cover in this game, and I do think the State has an opportunity in this game to win it if they play a cl- very clean ball game. Um, and I, I don't think they have to play perfect, but they have to play really, really well to beat LSU. But – with it being at home, you know, State's played a lot better against LSU in the last 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. This used to be a, a series that was, you know, absolutely locked down by LSU. But State has played better, and especially at home, they played fairly well against LSU. I, I'm taking the Tigers, but I think that State can cover in this game, and it wouldn't it wouldn't be a shock to me at all if they won this ball game. But I'm not ready to pull the trigger on that. I think LSU wins, State covers. Yeah, at 11 a.m. local kickoff, which is obviously presents challenges. Brian Kelly talked about this. You know, it changes the whole makeup of, you know, how you go about the preparation of your day. And look, LSU's got a lot of young players that haven't experienced that. Uh, they haven't experienced, you know, uh, Starkville before. So it's going to be something interesting to see how those guys handle it as well. Robbie, appreciate you coming on, talking a little behind the enemy lines as LSU gets set to play Mississippi State. Uh, before we get out of here, let people know where they can follow your work and uh, any Mississippi State coverage they want to read uh, heading into this LSU game. Yeah, come check us out over there, um, MississippiState.247sports.com. I mean, you guys know how to get there. Um, but, you know, we got some good stuff over there. And, I mean, the great thing about 247 is you get a chance to go see all the other team sites and the great coverage that we got across our network and in the SEC. So you can come see us there. My Twitter handle is RobbieFalk247. 
Um, if you want to see some Mississippi State perspective this week, we have plenty of coverage on our site coming out with interviews with coaches and uh, players that we've had the last couple of days. So uh, just come check us out there. And then uh, I got a podcast on Mississippi State uh, sports this, uh, that you guys can check out this week and kind of hear our side of things. Thunder and Lightning podcast with myself and Brian Haydad um, from Super Talk Mississippi. Uh, you guys can come check us out there if you want to listen to uh, any podcast. Awesome. And yeah, Robbie, uh, send that over to me, man, and we'll get that linked down in the description below here on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit that subscribe button, hit the like and follow as well. And if you are listening, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast, make sure to follow and subscribe there as well. Robbie, once again, thanks so much. Uh, we'll see you in Starkville. It should be a fun one as uh, these two teams kick off SEC play. Thanks Looking so much for tuning in. Looking forward oh. to it, man. Sorry. You're good. You're good. Hey, we'll edit I wanted, it to, no, I no, wanted to make good. sure I wanted to make sure that you knew that I appreciated you having me on. Hey, it was a lot of fun. With a lot of fun. We like talking ball. Uh, yeah. This is the Go Twenty Four Seven podcast, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Getting ready for this game between Mississippi State and LSU. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League twenty four seven. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new twenty four hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.